that's exactly the thing that's been holding me back. How do you do it? What kind of magic happens in your brain? This is genius. <laughs> You've got real talent. You just solved my problem. Thank you. I'm not going to cry. This is going to be really good. Oh, can we tear <laughs> up now? It's interesting, isn't it, that one of the things we talked about at the very beginning that you loved as a child was a routine and connection. And that is exactly what you can build into your business. I would love that for my company. That would be, oh, that would be everything. And I was really worried that I was going to miss out on that in this company because I didn't realize that could be something that I had. I thought I had to wait 10 years and, oh, this is wonderful. I've got some really good work to get to, don't I? You do. For anyone listening on the podcast, I am beaming right now. Oh, this could be life-changing. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show, where I shine the spotlight on female owners of growing small and medium-sized businesses. You're in the right place if you want to ditch the stress and firefighting, stop working too many hours, despite having team members, and never compete on price again. I'm Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv. I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners hire me to help them to build a business they could sell tomorrow, but they probably don't want to because it's highly profitable. It's fun to run because they and their team are in creative flow and they get to make a bigger impact on the world. In every episode, myself and my guests share the strategies, stories and wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, let's get on with the show. Let's continue this fascinating conversation with Nikki Starrett of Pump and Sass. In part one, we got to hear her not insignificant personal and business challenges in her journey to date. In this episode, we're going to deep dive into what has prevented Nikki from scaling her sales and how she can overcome that. It's been really great to hear how you've managed to get to where you are today. And it's fantastic to hear that things are beginning to pick up. That's wonderful. So my question to you is, where are you going next? And what do you see as your biggest challenge in getting there? Oh, that's an excellent question. So where we're going next is I have started to advertise our online shop. And one day, hopefully the next year or two, I will be expanding abroad. But where I really see the company going is offering those custom towels. Because what I do is I offer full customization. So I take my illustration degree and I work directly with clients to fully illustrate towels. And these are often used for individual locations for hotels who want to illustrate their unique features for that truly custom branded merchandise that they can either sell on site for a large profit or they can use for VIP guests that people want to they want to post on social media. They want to use it. They want to bring it home because it is useful, because it can be travel friendly. And this is brand new to the market. People aren't making this product for branded merchandise yet. They're not customizing it to the same extent that I am. And so it's this really wonderful opportunity to offer that to corporations and hotels and wineries and spas. The problem that I'm finding is a investors and i've got a great story for this absolutely outrageous but then also selling i i'm not a very masculine i'm not at all a masculine person i 
don't have a huge amount of masculinity in a very masculine dominated society. And so I'm often dismissed. People often ask me for the owner of the company and rather shocked that's me. And so I'm having a hard time bringing myself to be vulnerable and uh, audacious in my request and going for the things that I'm told that I'm not supposed to go for in the business. And I'm not supposed to make those sales, but I have to go and make those sales. And I'm a I'm not a salesperson. I find that very emotionally draining. I would much rather do the design work and work with the logistics than give a phone a pitch. And I do the pitch very well. I'm very capable of doing these things, but I find it exhausting. And because I'm the only person, I'm not fortunate enough yet to have a business partner. I don't have someone to go out and do those sales pitchy things yet, but I have to go and do that. I want to work with the brand and merchandise corporate elite. And I want to go and work with the large corporations. And for that, I need to go and I need to show up and I need to have that pitch and I need to do the work. And I find that an extremely daunting thing that I need to somehow overcome and on very limited resources. And if you'll permit me to tell me my story about investors, so this is a rather interesting story. So during my time rebuilding the company, a lot of those people that I would have been pitching to were unavailable. They were switching jobs. And so I said, you know what? Let's go and get some investing. It's a really strong business plan. I know exactly how many sales I need to make in order to make those million dollar profits. I know the team I need. I know how to make this happen. I've got financial projections. Let's make that happen. So. I went to a coach. His entire job is to help businesses achieve investors. And so I worked with him. I did the work. I showed up and he said, Nikki, this is excellent. This is a better pitch presentation than most people who are giving million dollar investors. Can I please use this as an example of excellence? I was very flattered. I said, yes, of course you may. And then I said, now that you've said that, how do you think I can move forward to get that million dollar investment? And he said, oh, no, you'll never get one unless someone's wife likes you. And I said, excuse me, can you please repeat that for me? And he said, because you don't look or stand or act like the investors, they're not going to understand how to work with you and they're not going to want to give you your money. So unless one of their wives likes you, it's not going to happen. And so I left that meeting and I said, that's one opinion. The world is a big place. So I got an opportunity with one of my entrepreneurial incubators to go through an investment readiness program with someone who runs an angel investment firm. And before one of our, our learning sessions went on, I asked him and I said, this was the opinion of someone else. Do you confirm or deny this what's your experience and he said that man was absolutely right because you don't look sound or act like the investors you need to get one of their wives on board otherwise you're never going to get an investment and so i said okay that's two opinions in a voice of many others and i've since asked two more people and their opinions were the same 
And a lot of people have told me to go on the investment television, TV shows, but I've had a lot of mixed reviews on those and that opportunity. And so I've decided maybe I need to bootstrap for myself. And so I've been applying for grants, but unfortunately women and non-binary founders, which I find myself in that category, we get less than 3% of global investment. And that's a rather generous projection, usually under the 3%. And so globally, if you take up all of that investing, we get less than 3%. And most of that is being funneled into tech because tech is a really, it's a much more secure line of investing than a product-based business is, especially one that's going into hospitality with all of the media saying that hospitality is dead. But folks, hospitality is not dead. I went to a global summit and the most luxurious of hotels actually had a huge profit, more so than 2019, because a lot of the most wealthy people in the world said, if I have to quarantine, I'm going to quarantine a five-star hotel. And I'm going to make sure that five-star hotel treats me like royalty because I'm willing to pay for it. And that's exactly what they did. And they ended up living on the yachts. They ended up living on the beach. And they worked remotely as the CEOs that they are because they could zoom in. And that's a major challenge that I've faced. I haven't found a solution for that yet. But I'm more than willing to do the work to bootstrap and to get those opportunities that are very recently coming to me. And that I truly believe that that's because I'm putting out goodness and I'm doing my best. And people are starting to notice that my product is as good as I made sure that it was. Because once you touch this, it really does speak for itself. And I'm very proud of that because I interviewed so many manufacturers to make sure that this product truly was small quality and was outperforming. And then I added that customization. So it has that unique value proposition that is going to set us up for that success. And as long as I stay resilient and I keep going and I keep bootstrapping, I believe it's going to get there. But it's certainly been, the polite word is challenging. It's really interesting because from our prior conversation, I had a conversation with a few people and there actually has been I think I mentioned this in another episode. I don't know whether it's going to air before or after this one, but I was talking about funding with the founder of a female founder of a tech company and who has, she's currently going for a series two round of funding and she's experienced some, not the same, right? And perhaps it's because she's in tech, there's a different makeup company and things like that. So she's had some experiences But one of the things that have been brought to my attention is that when women have had funding from female-focused incubators, angel investors, funds, they're actually less likely to get funded again by non-female investors. Which is wild, especially when there's research and data from very reliable sources that say when women and female and non-binary founders are funded, we are more likely to succeed because we're more diligent and careful with that funding because we've had to work so very hard to get it. And so they're finding that 
we are exceptionally capable. We are resilient and we're hardworking and we are bringing those dividends in a much more impactful way than some of the similar parallel but male-dominated companies that are getting equal funding or more funding. And so it's this really interesting phenomenon that's happening where people are so reserved in our funding, despite the fact that there is clear data showing we are a better investment. Exactly. I just want you to share a little bit about what your product is and why it's so much better than what else is out there. Sure. Here's the pitch. I am. I love my pitch. I work very hard on my pitch. So I say, hi, my name is Nikki. My presenter, she, they, I am the founder of a company called Compensas, where I specialize in custom luxury Turkish cotton towels. These products are wonderful, large bath sheets. They are large enough to wrap around the body. They are incredibly absorbent and fast to dry. These can be used to dry your entire body in the bathroom. You can bring them to the beach because sand doesn't stick to them. They have a completely flat surface, so there's nothing to pick up those abrasives, those sand particles, those dust particles, to rip and tear the hair, to scratch the skin. And these make them incredibly lightweight and fast to dry. So if you can fold them small enough to tuck into a bag or to fit 15 into a dresser drawer, you can wrap them around the body and you can use them as a towel. And the reason why my products stand out is because they are made with a pure Turkish cotton. There's a long strand Turkish cotton. So when you wrap it into a very fine and thin yarn, it is highly absorbent, up to 25 times its weight in water. It's extremely fast to dry because there's nothing impeding that airflow. And it becomes very lightweight. And because I have woven this into such a very tight weave, it's almost the same fabric as a clothing textile. So it becomes that much more versatile. People are using them in the bathroom. They are spa quality. They're also braiding them to the beach, but they're using them as sarongs, as shawls, as scarves. Then some people say, Nikki, they're too nice to use. So they're putting them in their homes as decorative items, as throw blankets, as light blankets. They're using them decoratively in the kitchen and kitchen towels that are only used for guests. They're placing them in places of honor for their Instagram feeds as these luxury items. And while that's all well and good, and I tell people to use them however it makes them happy, they're also extremely hard wearing. So I have no time in my life to be precious with my things. I often don't invest in high quality items unless I know that they can test the time. But I do test my own products alongside other similar towels and brands. And what I've noticed is that my brand has a tighter weave. So they are more akin to a bath sheet that you can use decoratively or as a clothing item, as opposed to a larger weave that tears and pulls and collects dust like some of the others lower quality brand because not all Turkish towels are made equally. And you can throw them in the machine. I often, my husband does our laundry and he will often put them into the laundry with our t-shirts and our other cotton because they take so little water to wash 
that you can put them there. So we're using less energy. We're doing less laundry. You can put them into the, the washer ourselves. I just came back from a trade show where I was selling these and that's our longer pitch. But when it comes to customization, very simply put, I illustrate anything that a company needs. I incorporate their logos. I have this woven into the surface of the fabric and then they are able to very easily in a condensed format, give this very high quality, large item as VIP gifts, as branded merchandise. Recently, I worked with a spa and they're in an old mill on the precipice of this large waterfall. And they've got a natural monument called the Tooth of Time, where it's this large rock jutting out of the waterfall. It's magnificent. And you can see it from all over the town. And so I illustrated that. I had that illustration woven into the towel. I incorporated their logo. They are now selling that on site. And people are bringing that home and they're reminded of that spot every single day when they're using it and they're going back because of it. And it's this really wonderful opportunity to have this very useful, very luxurious item that people are bringing home. They are using it. And they're reminded of those very important connection points but on top of that, my company is as, uh, is a social enterprise. So our product is ethically made in Turkey, where the product originated from in the 17th century in the hammam baths. They're completely sustainable. They're plastic-free, so is our packaging. And our company focuses on sustainability of all things. And then we give a portion of our profits to the Canadian Women's Foundation, who is not only advocating for women's rights here in Canada, but they are also funding international projects in order to support women's rights, children's rights, people's rights, and the betterment of our community. And so we've got this wonderful, versatile, very useful luxury item that is also making an impact in the world. And that's the long pitch, Una because we like to talk here. We do. And I think that's really useful because I had never heard of Turkish towels until we spoke. And they sound absolutely amazing. That sand part of it, being able to throw them in a suitcase for a holiday and it wrapping up and it being a sarong and it being a towel and all of those things. And I can totally see customization element, how that is you know, how that is very valuable to your target yes. market. They, yes, they can be selling that as branded merchandise. They can be giving it to VIP guests. I think it would be the kind of thing that, that that's part of luxury, isn't it? How soft something feels. And I think you, I'm not sure you mentioned it in your pitch. Maybe you did, but I know you've, or maybe I saw it on your website, but they feel amazing, don't they? Oh, yes, they're incredibly soft. And it's one of those things where, where, when I'm selling them in person to grab people's attention, I think, would you like to touch my towel? And then they do. And they have a great big laugh about it. But once you touch them, it's, these can't possibly be towels. They're so soft and they are using them as shawls and sarongs. I've had, I had someone wear one of our styles to a wedding recently, brought this bath towel as a shawl to a wedding. And everyone thought that it was a very normal thing to do because it's so beautiful. And it really touched me because 
I love when things do more than one thing. I love when they're versatile. And going back to that point where you said early, where it's really good for these companies is, yes, they're customer-facing products. Those customers are looking for conscientious products. They're looking for sustainability. They're looking for social enterprise. When they Google us, they see that we are a small business, although I am often misidentified as a large corporation. And because of the customization, you can have an individual hotel's most prominent asset illustrated onto this fabric, woven in, never printed on top, into this fabric that they can then use. And my mother's my mother's so lovely. She's got a wonderful pitch. She often talks about bringing this towel onto the airplane with her on vacation. So she'll wear it onto the plane like a scarf or she'll tuck it into her carry-on. And she's using it as a blanket. She's using it as a pillow. She's going straight from the plane right to the beach because here in Canada, our water is very cold and there's nothing like dipping your toes in the ocean. And so she's going there and then she's bringing it back to her room. She's rinsing it off in the sink. It's dry by the time dinner's happening. And then she's using it as a shawl because she does get quite chilly, even in the warmest of climates. And it's become this rather wonderful item that she's using in multiple ways. I've got this beautiful image of her using it as a picnic blanket on the savannah in Africa, where she was able to go and finally see the wildlife because that was her lifelong dream. And it's this wonderful item. And while I love being able to design these, I love that people can use them for so many things. What if my girlfriend is not using it as a tree skirt? And I'm going to go over to her house and take some pictures of that for social media because it's lovely. And she says, I can do so many things with this. In the wintertime, we're using it as a scarf. In the summertime, we're burying it in the sand and having a great big laugh that we're not bringing any of that sand home with us. And it's a real privilege to be able to offer something that I believe so deeply in that's so incredibly useful. But then to also offer this customization and do that art that I, I find so much joy doing. It brings me, my husband often laughs about how giddy I get and how I'm always walking around the house smiling whenever I have to do a customization. And, and it truly is a joy. I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of the challenge. So number one, yes. you said, I'm not a salesperson. What does a salesperson look like to you? To me, I think a salesperson is someone who can pick up the phone and immediately make a connection with someone and being able to identify and understand their needs as a company and being able to have that conversation of, you don't know me. I don't know you. I'd like to solve your problem. Tell me about your problems so that maybe if I can offer you value, I can do that. And I find that process is incredibly gratifying and it's this wonderful thing. Personally, I find it emotionally exhausting, especially because often you have to call 10 people before being able to make that connection because they're busy or they've heard me and they've immediately tried to send me over to room service or they they ask to speak to my male boss. And I find those 10 calls to get to that one quite tiring. And I think that that's why I push so hard against that wall because I know that you have to make a hundred phone calls to make a sale. And... I'm tired. 
have people actually said to you, I want to speak to your male boss, or are they saying, I want to speak to your boss? So they don't say the word male. They will use the pronouns he, he or him. And yes, I've had that happen quite a number of times. I've lost count. It's always very difficult. And I say, I'm the owner. And sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm very sorry. I didn't realize. Or I, they will call me and they will say, I, I thought you were a man. I thought Nikki was a man because I, I've chosen an androgynous spelling because I'm a non-binary person. That's how I identify. And so that functions for me. But yes, they will often either be surprised or they'll try and backtrack or they'll ask to speak with the owner because of the larger purchase. And then we have to have that awkward conversation. And they often want to quickly get off the phone with me. And I haven't quite figured out how to salvage that situation yet because I don't take offense to it. That's a reflection on them, not myself. And I come across it so often that if I get upset about it every time, I'm going to have high blood pressure. So okay. yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah. Okay. So the interesting thing is that you delivered a pitch just now and that pitch yes. had some very good things in that pitch. And so there's clearly something, I think there's a few things. Number one, the right marketing will help open doors for you. Yes. Okay. So if you're in a situation where you didn't have to do those 10 calls or however many calls, and you actually only got to have meetings with people who were interested in finding out more, how would that feel? That would feel fantastic. If you could offer some insights, that would be golden. So you have an offer there. Receive your custom design for free with any order of 100 plus towels. You put the value of that there and a book to book a complimentary consultation. Um, and you're saying specialize in customization for businesses and marketing professionals that need unique custom merchandise to offer their clients and guests. Pump and sass deliver delivers spa quality woven cotton towels that are absorbent, fast to dry, lightweight, travel friendly and can be delivered branded. So this isn't bad, right? But the only thing I would say is that it's all about you and it's not about the challenge that you're solving. You you can easily find people who you want to be connected with, right? Either from mailing lists, LinkedIn, etc. So you can put together a target list and maybe this is something you've already done. Or even doing it. Okay. Great. So you want to have that kind of top 50, top 100 businesses that you would love to have as customers. And so what I would suggest is that you actually put in place a marketing campaign to reach those people and get them to click a button to book a call with you. Now, if you do oh. that in the right way, they're all, you can educate them, right? So have you ever heard of the conversion equation? Yes, I have. Okay. So you interrupt, you engage, you educate. That's yes. what I mean by conversion equation. And so the thing is that you have to start that interrupt with whatever their pain is, whatever their challenge is. So the interrupt and the engage both have to be emotional. They have to be tapping into your customer's pain points. Oh, yes. I think someone told me about this once and I got confused between 
my story and their story has to be about them. What's their pain point? Because I was rather ego-centered to think it was about me. And that's where I was getting on the wrong page. I was telling them about my business and my story, but it's all about them. Correct. Yes. So much more sense. And I'm sure people have told me this and all of my coaches are going to just be leaving. We've been telling you this. Sometimes you need to hear it multiple times before it clicks. Yes, it has to be about them. So solving that pain point, when I do reach out to them on LinkedIn, and I'm going to do a LinkedIn promotion very soon and reaching out to those key people that I've been doing research on. And so when we do that outreach, we're trying to solve their pain point, which I know exactly what it is. It's the problem that I'm solving, but from their perspective, not just the value that I am providing, but the value that they are receiving. Found the right track? Pretty much, because what tends to happen is we love our products, we love our services so much, we typically do know what pains we're solving, at least to some extent, though for many business owners, they don't know it enough. But it's so easy for us to gloss over that and jump to the solution. But first, we need to actually, number one, there's another term you may have heard of called permission-based marketing. And so, no, to, I haven't heard of ah, that one yet. Okay, interesting. So, with this, rather than, okay, so you're on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't know how many messages I get every day, every week that just plunk into my inbox and they're not relevant for me. And they're telling me about a solution that I don't need. It's not relevant. Whereas if they landed in my inbox and asked a question, if they if they actually try to find out, but not in a kind of disingenuous way, but in a way that's going to interrupt them and catch their attention. Okay, so that's the thing. Whatever marketing, whether it's a web page, whether it's an ad, whether it's messaging people on social media or putting content out there. The conversion equation stands all the time. Like even in a social media post, the call to action is probably not buy my stuff, but it might be comment below (laughs) or do you know what I mean? Or save this post for a future reference. Stories are important for sure. However, I think sometimes people get caught up in a tactic. And they either don't know or forget about the underlying principles. Yes, it's very easy to forget, especially when you're a small business owner and you have to do everything. You have to be the admin and the accounting and the fulfillment and the marketer and the salesperson and then a content creator. And you have to do all of the things. And sometimes within the six-hour school system, because... You've got kids to pick up at the end of the day or at three o'clock in the afternoon. And that's exactly right. So going back to what you said earlier, if I were to change a headline and instead of saying custom Turkish towels, I would say something that would solve their problem, that would interrupt them, that would clearly identify that I am there to solve that problem. Branded merchandise your customers actually want to bring home. 
or I would have to brainstorm this, obviously, for better words. But And then when I reach out to them on LinkedIn, instead of saying, hey, this is the product I have, I could say, hi, my name is Nikki. Are you having issues with the merchandise on your at like at your hotel or spa or wherever it is where people aren't wanting to bring that home or they're frustrated with it not being a versatile item or they're throwing it in the garbage and don't want to bring it home that's you're getting the principle yes the principle is you're interrupting them and it's the same with your website so this is where you shared a lot of things in the pitch but there wasn't a lot about the client's pain. It's interesting, you worked with a specialist coach. I have to say, my mind is just blown at the fact that somebody would take your money when they didn't believe they could help you get investment. I just, it just makes me go, what? And I must admit, I don't tend to do it. I have done it in the past. I haven't done it more recently. But when you look at those TV investment things, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a problem that a product or a service solves and that can't be easily copied. You have such a history of textile design in home decor, which is where your product is. Like You've got the perfect background for this in terms of the product. And I just feel if you can get your what we call market dominating position right, then that will really help. Because one of the things that happens a lot of the time in marketing for small businesses is that small businesses try and market like large businesses. So it was interesting you mentioned the phrase ad men, because if you think of the TV program, Mad Men, that's exactly what happened is that with the introduction television, advertising changed. Advertising used to be designed to sell and then it changed because as more people got TVs and more programs were put out and more people wanted ads, more businesses wanted ads on the television, the time allowed for an ad got smaller and smaller because it got more and more expensive. So what happened was instead of selling in ads, they started doing clever strap lines. They started talking about brand awareness. Now, whenever I hear a small business talk about brand awareness, you don't need brand awareness. You need 10 clients or 100 clients. It's true. And as your company grows, yes, of course, you can do things to get brand awareness, but brand awareness doesn't pay the bills. Clients do. So there has to be, when you're starting, like when you're bootstrapping, the focus has to be on getting sales. Yes. Right? And so you may feel... I don't want to do sales right now. You don't have much of a choice. And so what I want to no. do is I want you to reframe and re and change approach to sales. Your face lit up when I said, what if you only had conversations with people who actually wanted to hear about your product and what it could do for them? Even now, yes. like, now you're grinning. Yeah, it's all I want to do because I can have that conversation is easy for me. And when I know that there's consent behind that conversation, I'm not wasting their time. I hate when people call me and I have to tell them they've wasted their time. I'm not the right client. I have no interest in working with them. It's very awkward and I don't want to be that person. But if I can reach out in a 
them-centered approach on LinkedIn and say, I can solve this problem if you're having it. Here's a link to book some time with me. Then we can circumvent those cold calls that I dread and me wasting the time, which I very little patience in my heart for. And I can solve that problem and yours. That's a brilliant solution. And because I now know what to write on that like we're in this lovely LinkedIn post if I need to do. I now have a way of doing that because I've been trying to figure out what do I write on that automated LinkedIn outreach because I don't want to have a sales pitch there. But you just solved that problem. And that's, see, I was overthinking it. And because you've got that wisdom, I'm able to, in a very simple way, simplify that because it's not as complicated as I thought. And that's why I've been Exactly. It isn't as complicated. There are a few more steps. Okay. Yes. So number one, you've got to get clear on what I would call your market dominating position. You are very clear on the features and benefits of your product, but you need to be able to create a market dominating position like I feel you've done that in your operations already to a large extent because a market dominating position is what sets you apart from your competition and what get, gets your prospects to go, well, I'd be a fool to go anywhere else. Yes. Okay. And very specifically, that's the customization. It's the quality of the product and it's the three times social impact that this customer facing. So what you've got to do is, but that has to be, that has to be related to the hot buttons of your prospects, okay? So there's some okay. work to be done there to get that clarity. You're already a good chunk of the way there, but I think there's a bit more to actually be able to really tap into that. And I feel you have done that a lot with your operations. Sometimes I'm working with people to change their product, their service offering or the way they deliver something or things like that. And there may be something there, actually, once you actually go through that process in a bit more depth. But you've already done quite a lot to help set yourself apart in the market. But you've got to find out what's important to your prospects. There may be things that you're thinking of for the end user. But what about the person who's actually buying these customized branded products? Oh, so that would be, it takes very little time. It's exceptionally easy to do. And the, so when I say it doesn't take a lot of time, it's usually with custom work, it's very time consuming for them. I take all of that responsibility. It's a short phone call. It's a PDF. It's a yes or no. And they're done and it shows up ready to be used. And Great. That and would definitely something... be one part of it. I think there are other things as okay. well okay. that they might care about. But there's a whole, there's a process to go through that. So number one is your market dominating position. Number two is your sales okay. process. So you're talking right. about so you're talking about messaging people on LinkedIn. I there may be benefits in having more multi-channel. So it might be LinkedIn, email, yes. and telephone. You don't have to be yes. the person doing the telephone calls. And by the way, I can recommend okay. somebody who is really good at this, at this, at getting those yes, kinds of qualified appointments. So, but there's a putting, designing a sales process, thinking about where does the sale take place? What needs to happen between that initial contact and when they actually say yes. 
So going through the process of, do you need to shift some beliefs? Do you need, what education needs to happen? How do you put that in place that actually takes less of your personal time so that you get to have high quality conversation with fewer people that convert at a higher rate? Exactly. So market dominating position, outline that, that prospect journey. What happens before the sale? And actually, it would be beneficial to think about what happens after the sale as well. So there's a prospect yes. journey, the customer journey in terms of you've already said some things that you've really thought about how to make this less painful for them. <laughs> That's great. So these yes. are all the things that designing those will help you to be able to then show up very confidently because step one, step two, step three, this is what's said here. This is what's sent there. I pass this on to, to do X, Y, Z. When all of that stuff is in place, it's just clear, isn't it, Then It's so clear. And it almost sounds like it ties in to my affinity for routine. Because if I can get a routine for myself in the sales process, then I'm going to take away all of those anxieties of the unknown of wasting their time or overthinking to myself or feeling rejected. And I'm going to take away all of that apprehension that's really holding me back because I've got the routine that makes me shine and makes me comfortable because I know exactly what to do. That's exactly the thing that's been holding me back. How do you do it? What kind of magic happens in your brain? This is genius. You've got real talent. You just solved my problem. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. This is going to be really good. Oh, can we tear <laughs> up now? It's interesting, isn't it? That's one of the things we talked about at the very beginning that you loved as a child was a routine and connection. And that is exactly what you can build into your business. I would love that for my company. That would be... Oh, that would be everything. And I was really worried that I was going to miss out on that in this company because I didn't realize that could be something that I had. I thought I had to wait 10 years and, oh, this is wonderful. I've got some really good work to get to, don't I? You do. <laughs> For anyone listening on the podcast, I am beaming right now. Oh, this could be life-changing. And it really has been the key to what I have been looking for in the challenges of getting these wholesales. Because with this routine, with this game plan, I really don't need that many returning customers to get the results that I am looking for to being able to make the impact that I want to make with my business. Because it's not just about paying my own bills. It's about making a real impact in the industry. I, I think there comes a time in coaching when th there is further discussion to be had in more of the detail of what we've talked about. Now is not the right yes. time to do that. Number one, because we need to wrap podcast but number two because this has to land with you this has to sink in this needs to be absorbed so it's not brushed over and forgotten so that you actually 
get to embody this and it becomes part of the way that you do business because now you're seeing things from a different perspective. You've had at least one, if not multiple paradigm shifts today. I agree. And once I'm able to sink in, maybe listen to it a couple more times, really identify and write it down and see I'm a visual learner, write it down. I believe that I will be able to go out and create this and I will definitely need more help with that. But it's attainable and it feels very applicable. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be a huge mountain to overcome. It seems like it's going to be a few simple shifts, a few simple additions, a little bit of website editing, which I'm very good at now. And and by the time that January, February rolls around where everyone's finished with their holidays, they've sobered up, they're ready to get back to work, I'll be able to pitch them for what is essentially a summer towel. So the timing couldn't even be better. This feels like I've been given a gift. So thank you for unwrapping that with me. (laughs) Wonderful. Nikki, what has been most significant about our conversation here today? Oh, goodness. Usually my default to that question, my knee-jerk reaction is the kindness of you reaching out and giving me this opportunity. And while that is very true, I think that you went much further than what normally happens. And you listened not only with your heart and your ears, but also with your mind. You saw me for who and what I truly am and what I am actually facing. And you used your rather remarkable intellect. And I don't mind giving you that compliment because I see it so very clearly. And you solved my problem in a clear and concise way. And that is a very rare quality. And I think that's why you are so very good at what you're doing. And I hope that I've expressed myself in a way that makes sense because I'm still reeling from this wonderful thing that's just happened. Things that you saw me with everything that you had and you gave me the value with an open heart, without reservation. And that is a truly wonderful thing that you've done. So thank you very much for that. You're very welcome, Nikki. And that's a wonderful testimonial for me and for this podcast experience. I want to come back though to what's been, what would you say has been your biggest insight in our conversation today. Oh, you solved the problem of how to reach out to customers in a way that is authentic to me, in a way that is going to actually get the results that I need. You gave me the insights to go from, gee, I hate making cold calls, just really awful and going to have to do hundreds of them. And you gave me the insight to say, no, you don't actually need to do that. You simply need to get a game plan, reach out to the correct people and reach out to them in a correct way that solves their problem. You, Your insight was to get me from the wrong place to the right place. And you've probably saved me a huge amount of time in spinning my wheels with no results. The result was outstanding. So that insight of the correct way of selling is what I'm trying to say. Tapping into their pain points. Absolutely. So it's focusing on their problem because we all fall in love with our products and services. 
you're not the only one. And think about it. When you mentioned, oh, I don't like getting phone calls when people are trying to sell me something. And if somebody within a minute or so was able to establish, was this relevant for you or not? Is that a painful situation? Not really, is it? If someone spends five minutes telling you about something and you're there thinking, oh God, when can I get off the phone? This doesn't apply to me. That's a painful situation. It is. Yeah. And it's one of those things that when they call me and they say, I see that they're doing this. Can I solve that problem? And it's just saved me hours of work. I love that feeling. I want to do that for other people. And being able to communicate effectively towards that point in my own business is going to be a game-changing change. Nikki, you're somebody who likes to serve. And I want you to think about sales as service. When we sell, when we facilitate people buying from us, it is a service to that person because we're solving their pain or we're helping them to achieve an aspiration. You really are. And that's a wonderful mindset shift, which I think is going to come in handy. Nikki, let people know, where can they find you? Oh, yes. You can find me at Alpensas on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, sometimes Twitter, but not very often, and Pinterest. Oh, I'm also on LinkedIn. And on all of my social medias. And we will pop that into the show notes as well. Nikki, that's, this has been such an enjoyable conversation and wonderful to see the shifts that you've made in our time together. I really wish you all the best in getting these hotel chains and spa chains. And I can just see the people using these products and feeling so luxurious in having these wonderful towels. And, and it's going to be more profit for your corporate clients as well. So I can't wait to see how this progresses and look forward to hearing more. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a huge amount of help and support. And I will carry this forward and you will see my business succeed much faster. And thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. That's all for today, folks. Have you subscribed to get more of this juicy goodness for your business? If not, tap that button now. Remember to check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Did you enjoy and find value in this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed with coaching and workshops based on my impact-driven growth model. Want to know how I can help you to double your profits without spending a penny more on marketing or ads? Let's arrange to hop on a call to discuss your goals and challenges, and I'll show you how. Plus, when you book, I'll send you some free training videos too. Go book now at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.